Matthew chapter 6. Prayer is one of those topics where you know you need to learn more about it, but maybe you don't want to know more about it because that means you'll have to do it. (laughs) It's so important to know about prayer. It's so important to practice prayer. And honestly, sometimes when there's something inside of us that's kind of trying to shy away from learning about it or practicing it, it's because we're generally not, we're not doing it, right? So Jesus comes to us in Matthew chapter number six, in the very beginning of his ministry, and he teaches his followers from the very beginning about prayer. Let's start in verse five. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you'd help me now as I preach. Father, I pray that the message from your word would be clear. Cleanse me from sin and pride. Empty me of self. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Use this message to encourage us and teach us about prayer. Father, it's very easy in our flesh to give up on prayer. Father, it's very easy in our flesh to think we know enough about it. But Lord, I pray that you would teach us. You would help us to grow in grace. Lord, I pray once again, if someone is listening today, they've never trusted you as their savior. God, I pray that you would show that person deep in their heart, their need for a savior and that you died on the cross for them. Make it real for them. Draw them to yourself and may they choose to trust you as their savior today. Bless this time, Jesus name. Amen. Title of the message today is Fear the Fake. Fear the Fake. I remember going overseas one time, just April and I. Actually, I think this is before we had kids. And uh, we went and celebrated a uh, wedding anniversary. And I remember, I think it was in the Bahamas. And... uh, we were going through the markets and then I saw this Rolex watch for $20. And I thought, and I knew it was fake. I thought, oh, it'll be fun. I'm just going to spend it. It's just 20 bucks. Who cares? So I bought it. And it was automatic, right? By that meaning, technically, it didn't need a battery. You just has a, has a movement that by the movement of your wrist and your body it kind of winds itself and it just, it just works. 
And the funny thing is, is that when you adjust the time and you kind of get the movement working, it did work for a little while. You could tell when you held it, this is mostly made out of really, really, really cheap metal. Like it's not a high quality watch, okay? And also when you would wear it, it would not keep time correctly very long. And um, the movement, the, the charging mechanism did not work very long at all. It was cheap. Now, from a distance, you could see it and you think that might be a Rolex. But the closer you got to it and the closer you inspected it, the more you realized it was a fake. Fake watches are a billion-dollar industry. This is uh, taken from an online article uh, in 2017. The counterfeit watch industry is a money raker. It got the Federation of the Swiss Watch Industry up in arms. There's even a running joke amongst Swiss CEOs that the real measure of a brand's success is the number of counterfeit watches a brand has. They say that the number of fakes is increasing. They talk about how the incredible, um, <clears throat> how, uh, how incredibly lucrative it is. Billions of dollars are, are spent just in counterfeit watches. And of course, we know that there's counterfeit, almost counterfeit anything these days. Counterfeit purses, counterfeit sneakers, yeah, right? Sneakers are a big thing now. Back in the day, it was just a pair of shoes and now... The sneaker heads, they call them, right? And you've got to have a particular color and a particular brand and a particular style. But there's fake ones out there. The real ones can cost hundreds of dollars for a pair of shoes. Some of them even thousands of dollars because they're collector's items. Well, when something is incredibly valuable, there's going to be fakes. And guys, when we think about fear the fake, let me, let me show you a quick advertisement that the Swiss watch kind of uh, group put out in order to try to help. This is a real ad. Fake watches are for fake people. That's a little bold. I don't know if that's completely true. But they're trying to stop some of the fake watch buying that goes on in the world. They said, be authentic, buy real. Now, I don't know if I would go that far, but that's what the ad says, right? It's obviously the watch is on a hand of a mannequin. You can tell it's a plastic hand. Is there anything that's more faked around the world than prayer? So many people pray, and yet many times prayer is discarded the way a $20 Rolex is. From a distance, it may look real. For Maybe for a time, it may even appear to work for a little bit. But when it comes right down to it, it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Many people have the attitude of God being more like Santa Claus than really that he's the God of the universe and that we can come to him. And in essence, coming to God always works. How many Christmas movies, we just came through the Christmas season. How many Christmas movies talk about a young child coming to the realization that believing in Santa Claus is not real. Now, how does it happen? 
it seems to work up for a time, and then, but then they end up asking for something that they don't get. That causes some doubt. And then maybe a friend tells them, and then another friend, and then another friend. And guys, how many people pursue religion or how many people seek after God or how many people may even read the Bible? How many people take the time to pray and maybe for a little while it seems to work, but then when it doesn't work, they discard it, even to the point some people saying, I'm going to go back to what I used to believe in. And in some cases, that's believing in nothing. Read reports of those who plant and start churches in Canada where people will be, they will come from a background of atheism. They'll come to church for a number of years, years, two or three years, five years. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't seem to work out the way that they thought. They're patient for a while, thinking, well, if I keep on doing what I'm doing, eventually it will continue to work. If I keep wearing the fake watch, maybe it will work like a real one, but it won't. And all of a sudden, these atheists, and again, this is from a book I've read. This is not just me making this up, right? This is a book about Canadian church planning. They will go back at one time saying that they're a Christian. They're converted to Christianity, and then now they're going to go back to non-belief. Prayer is one of the three basic behaviors and habits of Christian growth. Without these three, we will not experience God's blessings. We will not experience growth. We will not experience God's victory in our life. Prayer, scripture reading, and church attendance. Let me say those one more time. These are the three core habits of a growing Christian. It's not just coming to church and listening and learning It's not just going and praying in somewhere or just going through your list. It's not just um, trying to read scripture occasionally. It's someone who is practicing these three things in the right way. That is someone who is a growing Christian. Now, we will deal with church attendance and scripture reading at another time. But as we look once again at Matthew chapter number six, Jesus in his message of prayer is not just go ahead and just pray. You're doing just fine. He didn't just say whatever you think is fine. Whatever you think is good. No, he teaches us. He doesn't want us to somehow pray for a little bit or he doesn't want us to to learn prayer from those around us, or he doesn't just want us to be informed by our own mind and, and, and then eventually quit. He wants us to learn how to pray correctly. You think, oh, pastor is going to teach us a specific prayer, and it's going to be magical words, and when we pray those words, all of my prayers are going to be answered. You know, let's just let Jesus teach us about prayer. By the way, when I was studying about the the fake watch thing, they were even saying that sometimes in some cases, 
The replicas are so good that it will even it will even trick the people who work at authorized dealers. So someone who sells authentic authorized Rolexes, for example, when they look at this replica, if they don't study it very, very closely, they can even be tricked. And perhaps that watch sold out of one of these types of places. And so when we're talking about prayer, it's guys, can we be honest? It's really easy to be tricked by things. We want to know when we're praying that our prayers are going to be answered, that God is going to hear us. And so when we're coming to Jesus, he is the expert. He was with the Father in heaven. Listen, if anybody knows how to communicate to God the Father, it's going to be God the Son. So when he's coming and he's teaching us, he's not just saying, oh, I have all of this experience. No, 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 no. It's not just a matter of an experienced Christian, right? It's not just someone who says, I've devised some certain things to help you. to. No, no, no. He's coming from a position of absolute authority. Okay? So when we come to Jesus about prayer, he is going to teach us. We, let me just mention these, these, uh, a couple of things. We talked about them last week. The first one is we must have an attitude of a student. Once again, if we come in prayer as, with an attitude of an expert, I never need to learn anything more about this. I never need to learn to feed my knowledge or allow God to shape my prayer in a different way. Prayer very quickly is going to lose its power. We're very quickly going to lose that communication with God. God wants us to grow. The way that we used to pray four years ago needs to be different than the way that we pray now, meaning it needs to be, there needs to be a pattern of growth for the Christian. We need to learn. Jesus was speaking this to people who prayed. He's speaking this passage to people who prayed and he's teaching them about prayer. So first of all, have the attitude of a student Now, we've got to ask this question, why do people pray? Now, let's look at the passage. It says in verse number five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the streets of the, sorry, in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse six, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret and thy father, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What's the point of prayer? The point of prayer is to get an answer. Isn't it? Why else would we pray? He goes on, and, and we spoke about this, and, and again, just quick, quickly reviewing it, he describes the Pharisees, and we know that he's talking about the Pharisees because later in Matthew 23, he describes the Pharisees as hypocrites. 
He describes the Pharisees and the way that they would pray. And the way that they would pray, it was a performance. They weren't concerned so much about God hearing them. They were concerned about people seeing them. I'm going to go to church to pray. Now, there can be some reasons. And again, we need to make sure we we live in a day and age with the Internet. I sound so old right now. Right. But it's so true. If we're not careful, we will we will have the attitude of someone who is shopping for ideas on how to have peace, on how to get rid of anxiety, feelings of depression, on how to be successful in life, on how to do this, on how to do that. And we will start looking at different religions and they'll say, well, they pray in this way and they do that and they do it this way and they do that instead of coming to the expert and instead of coming to Jesus Christ and his word and we'll just kind of start putting things in. And listen, there are many people who pray who may be sincere in their heart, but by and large, prayer is done as a public performance. We all pray together. It's important for them to see me, for them to see me praying. Maybe it's important for someone to, to have the pastor or the priest see them praying. They have to see me. I have to be seen. We have to understand that genuine prayer, one, you have to be a student. Two, you have to have the attitude of, I want to be heard, not seen. I want to be heard, not seen. It's not a performance. The prayers that we read in scripture are very simple. Very simple. When Jesus is speaking to Peter, Peter's walking on the water. Peter's walking on the water, going to Jesus. Let's look at it real quick. Matthew. It's in the same book. Matthew 14. Let's look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 28. says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. You say, oh, well, that was Jesus in living form, you know, in his body, on the earth, in his earthly ministry. And Peter and Jesus were just talking. That's not prayer. Really? It is prayer. How is it any different? Can Jesus hear more clearly if he's standing here in bodily form, standing in front of us? Or can he hear, is the distance of him being in heaven, does that somehow create, he can't hear as well? No, it's the same thing. So let's see what happens in this story. Peter's communicating. Listen, he is communicating with Jesus, expecting him to hear him. Lord, if it's you, then speak to me. Guys, listen, we do not practice a dead and dry religion where our God does not speak to us. If he is the living God, then he can speak If he's the living God, then he can hear. This is the one thing that scripture is so clear about from the Genesis to Revelation. 
in the Old Testament, he constantly compares when he's teaching Israel about worship and prayer. God is constantly teaching them and saying, look at those who worship idols. They have mouths, but they speak not. Psalm 115, if I remember correctly. They have ears, but they hear not. Eyes that see not. He's constantly drawing a contrast between the true and living God. And again, the fake. Let's let's and and, and listen, let, let me just be clear, especially if anybody's listening to this online. I am not in any way trying to make fun of someone who believes differently. We're trying to understand that there is a right way to approach the living God. There are, if, if someone believes differently, it's because they have been deceived. This is either the truth or it's not. Jesus either came to die on the cross for our sin or he didn't. He either rose from the dead proving that he was and is the true and living God who came to earth to die for our sin, or he isn't. We live in a day and age where it's you can believe what you want to believe, and that's fine and perfect and fine for you, and I'll believe what I want to believe, and it's all perfect and fine for you, and it's just all the same. They're all equally valid. Okay, so then all are equally, everything that says Rolex is a Rolex? No. How come we believe that about something like a watch, but yet somehow we don't believe that about God? Every, listen, everything is not God. Well, how do we know? If we're praying to God, God will answer. He expects us to pray because he wants to answer. We can see this once again in this passage, and I know I got sidetracked there for a moment. But it says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying three words, Lord, save me. Now, here's just a quick question. Did he expect Jesus to hear him? He did. Did Jesus hear him? Yeah. How do we know? Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You see the correction of Jesus? You see the dialogue? You see the back and forth? You see where Peter's communication and his life of faith with Jesus was growing and he was being shaped And he was learning. Listen, prayer dies when we stop learning. Prayer dies when we are not concerned about listening to God. 
It's a communication. The message that Jesus has for us when it comes to prayer is this is a relationship. You need to expect to be heard. Listen, is it really a relationship? Are you really in a relationship with somebody if they never listen to you? Uh, No, that would be a fake relationship. You're lying to yourself. (laughs) Is that true? It's so easy for us to diagnose a relationship with a living person. And yet sometimes when it comes to when it comes to God, we don't expect him to answer. We don't expect for him to speak to us in our heart. We don't expect for him to speak to for him to speak to us in the word. And Jesus is trying to say, listen, what is your intent when you go and pray? He's like, for those guys, for the Pharisees, their only intention is to raise their status amongst those who are watching. Sometimes we can go through the motions of prayer and we feel good about ourselves that we have kind of done our religious duty for the day. I ate my kale. We have that attitude. I prayed. I did it. I exercised discipline. I talked to my wife. Oh, really? You see that attitude, guys, when it comes to a person that we care about, we want to have a relationship with, doesn't just, it doesn't work well. And yet sometimes with God, it's like, well, I've been through my list. We're not, we're not really on speaking terms right now. Some people, that's their relationship status with the Lord. We're not really on speaking. Why? It's not a performance. It's not a performance for other people. It's not a performance for ourselves. Sometimes we're performing for ourselves. It's not meant to be a performance. We should expect for God to hear us. That's what it means to pray in faith. We should expect for him to hear us. You say, well, I'm praying for this and, 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 and the promises of God's word, and this is not really where he diagnoses this at, at this time, but let me just mention this. I'm praying for this. I'm expecting God to hear and he hasn't answered the prayer. That happens. We've got to ask ourselves, okay, is this prayer one-sided? Am I listening to him at all? Am I learning about prayer? Am I willing for God to modify my prayer request and shape it according to his will. We'll get into that in just a moment with the, actually it'll be next week when we get into the Lord's prayer where he talks about that. But basic prayer is asking and receiving. Asking and receiving. Verse six. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. Okay, now let me just say this. This is the attitude of prayer. It's saying, it doesn't mean we only have to pray privately. Okay, there are many passages of people praying publicly, people praying standing, people praying kneeling, people praying flat on, flat, uh, prostrate on the floor, laying down face first on the floor or on the ground. People praying while walking. Okay, the posture of prayer is not as important as the attitude or the heart of prayer. 
And the heart of prayer is, this is a private thing between me and God, and I want him to hear me. And so he's trying to, he's giving a contrast here between those who they have to do it publicly because that's really, they want to be seen. They have to be seen. He's saying, but you need to pray privately. The attitude is, it's a private thing. I'm interested in what God sees. I want him to see me. John 17, three, and this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Jesus is teaching us how to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and be guided and informed by his word. Okay, let's notice this part right here. We see two pieces Verse six, let's look at the word closet. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which seeth in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. We need to expect for God to answer us. Uh, Online shopping is normal nowadays and nearly with everything that you order online you get an email with the tracking information amazon uh, groceries it doesn't matter what it is right and you go to that email with the tracking information and you say oh it's it's being delivered it's supposed to come today and even in some cases it's supposed to tell you kind of the exact times that it's supposed to show up to the delivery date or the de- delivery location. And we expect that. That's the same kind of attitude we're supposed to have when we pray. It's not just going through a list. It's not just talking. It's not just, listen, we don't go through specific things in order to have a relationship with someone we care about. I have to say this and 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 this. Because if I don't, and if I miss one of those things, God's going to get me. Um, Where is the expectation of being answered? What are you asking for? Jesus is trying to draw the distinction between ritual and relationship. What's the difference between a ritual and a relationship? In a relationship, we we expect to be heard. In a relationship, we expect to be heard. In a ritual, we get done and it makes us feel better, but there's not really any expectation that there's going to be any answer or communication. And he's saying, when you go in and you privately do this, in some cases, it means getting up earlier before anybody else is up. Maybe it's finding time in the middle of the day when you know you're going to have some quiet and alone. It's really hard to have your your daily prayer time on the subway on the way to work. Is it impossible? No, but man, is it distracting. 
Quiet time. Sometimes it means I'm going to stay up a little bit after everybody goes to bed. And everybody's a little different. God doesn't prescribe a specific time. Okay, he's made us all individually. We have different schedules and different. But he's saying, find a closet. Let me ask you this. When is the time you normally pray? Where do you normally pray? I don't really have an answer for any of those things. We need to have the attitude of learning. We need to have the attitude of, I'm going to allow Jesus to teach me about prayer. Now let's look at this one and then we'll be done. This last one. Verse number seven. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Now this is drawing not to the Pharisees. This is drawing to the Greek world where those who specifically would pray in one Greek tradition would on purpose make their prayers very long and they would try to ask for the same thing in many, many different ways, but they would on purpose stretch it out to be really long. Vain repetitions. What does the word vain mean? Vain means empty, right? Whenever I think of the word vain, I always think about what's inside of a balloon, right? Just air, just emptiness, right? There's, there's no genuine substance that's there for this prayer, okay? It's just empty. What, what are you praying? Oh, these are very special words. They're so special, we don't even exactly know what they mean. That would be vain, my friend. We're supposed to pray with the understanding. Again, we wouldn't have a relationship like that with somebody. Walking up to your, to your spouse and just, blah, 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 you know, just saying, what are you talking about? What is it that you want? What are you saying? Tell me about your day. You know, obviously with our relationship with the Lord, he, we, he just wants us to talk to him. To ask with an expectation, but to have that expectation, he's going to hear us. Listen, many times in prayer, we're just pouring out what's kept up in our heart. I have so much anxiety and depression. I get that. I understand that. Well, why don't you take it to the Lord and just pour it out? Pour it out. Tell him all about it. So many in the book of Psalms are just records of David taking his depression, anxiety, frustration, and just flat out scared to death because somebody really is trying to track him down and kill him. And what is he saying? God, this is what's happening. God, this is the way that I feel. God, this is the way that I see it. And just listen, there are some people that need to quit paying for therapy and they just need to go find a closet or a private place and pray. Guys, sometimes that's going out into the woods. Going out into the nature somewhere. Walking down the trail. Talking to God. I'm going to look like a crazy person. To who? To who? Well, if somebody saw me, who cares? I'm not saying act silly on purpose. I'm saying, why don't we strive to make sure that we are heard from God. And how does God hear me? It's not through vain repetition. Vain repetition, empty repetitions. 
Man's imagination thinks, I have to repeat it. And in the, the magic is in the repetition. That's what he's saying. It says, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Repeat, 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 repeat. And even some religions are, con- are concocted in such a way that it's even a sound that you say that you repeat constantly in a very specific way, holding your hands a certain way in a certain position. Let me, let me, let me teach you something and then we'll be done. Let's, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Timothy 2. This is so important when we're talking about vain repetition. 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 5. 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 5. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Okay, now we're going to focus on mediator. What's a mediator? A mediator is a go-between. Listen, he's saying there is one go-between between God who's in heaven. We know the Lord's prayer. We'll we'll study that next week. Our father who art in heaven, he's in heaven. He's a spirit, right? And because we're flesh and we're human beings, we see one another, but we don't see God. But in the deepest parts of us, all of us know that he's there, but we want to connect and we want to talk and we need to ask and we need help. And we, and, and we want to have this incredible connection with our creator. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins so that we can have a connection between God and us. But here is it, here, here's the point that this verse is saying. Jesus himself is that connection. There is one mediator between God and men, mankind, human beings, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is that go-between. He's the interpreter. He's the one. He's all that we need. To pray to God. He's all that we need for God to hear us. He's all that we need, guys. And we've had thousands of years as a human race to do, to either pray to God according to his word and follow truth or to come up with our own way. And guys, we say, where, where do all the religions of the world come from? Now, that's a big question. But one thing that they share in common is in order to connect with the creator, in some cases, in order to connect with the universe, whatever, it, whatever their thinking is in their religion, they need mediators because they still think that God is this big, mysterious, unknown out there somewhere, and they need to have some way that they connect with him. And so they have duplicitous mediators. They have many, many mediators. They have many, many go-betweens. They'll have a priest. They have to have it. You realize in any religion where there's a priest, if you take that person out, God can't hear them. And they can't hear God. 
But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And he is our mediator between God and men. In many, many religions, in order for God to hear them, they use the mediation, there's a word, of how about lighting candles? Oh, you're picking on fill in the blank. No, no, no. Think about how many religions they need a candle for God to hear them. But scripture says there's one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. What about prayer beads? Many religions use prayer beads, a necklace or a bracelet. Oh, you're picking on, I'm, hey, do we want to be stuck with a fake? Do I want to satisfy myself that I've prayed through a prayer bead rotation? Or should I listen to Jesus, the one who really knows how to communicate to God and say, yeah, actually, that's vain repetition. I came to instantly connect you with God. You don't really need any of that stuff. What about special rugs to kneel on? Man, look, there are some people that that prey on special rugs to kneel on. Oh, you're picking on, and by the way, it's not just one, two, or three. Do I have to have special things in my life for God to hear me? Do I have to have prayer beads, candles, rugs? Pastor, I can't believe you're saying that. Jesus wants us to know God. This world is falling to pieces because it doesn't know God and it insists that what they have is authentic and real and it's not a fake, even though Jesus says something completely different. Either he's the authority on prayer and connecting with God or he's not. It can't be both. All Rolexes are, the, are authentic. Because that's the nice and loving thing to do. What about the guy who paid 20 grand for the real thing? Do you realize that with a fake Rolex watch, if you put it in water, it quits? It's not waterproof, even though it's called a diving watch. With a real one, they last forever, generations. Guys, listen, when it comes to having a relationship with God, I need to know that whatever somebody else may be doing and whatever the internet search may say, There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I have trusted Christ as my Savior, and he is the one that he's all that I need to connect to God. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't have to pray every day to try to get my way into heaven. He is, hey, Jesus is a savior. He is not an assistant to salvation. He came to save us from our sin. Prayer is not something that we do all the time in order for God to say, wow, those guys are really working hard at it. I think I might let them come to heaven. Mm -mm. No, prayer is something that we honestly come to God in and say, one time I'm a sinner. I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my savior. And right then the relationship with God begins. He's the mediator. Jesus Christ is the mediator. And from that time forward, 
I can trust that when I have Christ as my savior, I can talk to God. I need to have a heart of a student. I'm not doing it for show. I really need to believe and expect that God's going to hear me. And I'm not going to fall into the bad habit of just repeating myself over and over again. It makes me feel a little better, but God's not interested in just repetition. And thank God we don't need a bunch of religious furniture. As mediators, we don't need special necklaces. We don't need special clothes. Guys, we don't even need a church building. Well, that's not a real church. The church is the people. (laughs) The church is the people. God can hear us in this building just like he can hear us somewhere else. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, please, and close our eyes.